Welcome back, everybody, to the fourth Sand Dune podcast. This is Frank, and I'm with Hans. And, and this one is called It Probably Wasn't a Conspiracy. So uh, a little bit of housekeeping before we dive into the main event. Uh, the You can still reach us via tweets at Sand Dune Podcast uh, over on Twitter and or email us talk at sandune.org. And uh, I think uh, last time we did pretty good. We made a shorter podcast, Frank. I think keeping it under 30 minutes was uh, was a good thing. Yeah, we had a slick 24 minutes and it just happened to fit into the free tier of our podcast plan. Of course, that all changes tonight when I put down some money and it's all for real. So everybody <laughs> gets set. All right, Frank. Uh, so we're going to talk about transparency again today, as we do every week. and. But I have a question that I feel like I've felt for a long time that I've worked in corporate America. And I know you've run a business and you've been at the head of one. And my question to you is pretty simple. Why are executives so bad at communication? That's a good question. And it's probably unfair to say they're all bad at it because there are some that are good at it. But I think what you're picking up on is when you're inside an organization, why does it always seem like executive management is out of touch? And I think it goes back to the expectations, the really quiet expectations that being in business sort of has of you. So when you're in a chief role, you've got to be totally and utterly transparent up to the board and up to the shareholders and up to the owners of the organization, because otherwise you're just going to get burned at the stake. I mean, they're just going to get rid of you. The interesting thing is that doesn't work in the opposite direction. There is not an expectation that you're transparent when you're communicating down. And I came up through like the engineering ranks. So I think the engineers see this, you know, more than some other people, but I think anybody who's worked in a big company long enough has had the experience of you know, this impossible thing comes down at the last minute and it's like, you know, the guys up on the you know, top floor need this like right away and it doesn't make any sense. So, and everyone, it's just another example of how executive management is out of touch and everyone kind of grits their teeth and, and does this thing that makes no sense. And the problem was that executive management simply didn't pass along enough context to understand why it was important. So, one thing that I tried to do was I did get the request a few times, people saying, I don't have no idea why you're asking for this. Um, of course, that was, you know, the 10th or 15th time I made a request of them because they were kind of afraid to ask me why, because there's, again, that fear of engaging the executives that, you know, somehow you're going to hurt your career. I wouldn't really like that, but I started to realize that I would get much better results if I passed a little context on with it going like, no, well, this was a special report that a customer who's pretty irate with your guys' performance, by the way, um, wants to see that's going to make them feel better and keep us in their good graces. And then suddenly everyone's like, hey, that made a lot of sense. We'll get right on this. And so how far down did, did you take this? I mean, was this only with your immediate direct reports or would you do that across the full organization? I had actually, that I would cascade down through my directs, but the first time it happened, it was somebody who was like four levels below me who asked the question. 
Um, and it was awesome that he did, right? That he came to me and said, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Um, but it should be a core kind of value rather than just, a, you know, something that is a nice to have. So you want the entire organization doing it. I would want my directs doing it where it was appropriate with their people and so on and so forth. So just rather than keeping people in the dark, it gets your, you know, approves of management score up in Glassdoor as well. And I guess this is kind of the way it's been all the way back into Flintstone times. Well, now hang on a second. You know, we're here, we're saying that transparency or people haven't been that transparent for a long time, but back when we were farmers, <laughs> it's funny to even say such a thing, but when we were farmers, the, the communities were a lot smaller and you kind of knew what everyone was up to within your small little town. And there are even places in the world today where there's a lot more knowledge of, you know, what your neighbor is doing, right? Yeah, I think you're, you're onto something there. I think you're right. Um, that when you go into an agrarian society, everyone's survival kind of depended on knowing everything that was going on in the community. Yeah. And, you know, when you would go and find out from, you know, your friend, you know, is this guy who's selling you these shoes over here a good guy? There, there was a reputation thing. I mean, before, before any of the reputation services that we have nowadays, you ended up having, you know, the local community would kind of know and they would, there would be a reputation that would be built. And nowadays with large businesses and being able to influence uh, through lobbying organizations and advertising and so on, we don't really have that local community anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that helps kind of explain where transparency went. And it kind of also explains that it's, it's kind of a concept that's changed over time. It makes sense to when you're talking about the industrial revolution, the efficiencies that it brought, and you know, thinking about how it got all the way into the 20th century, where you think about something like McDonald's or you know, like a factory floor, it's been engineered by the efficiency experts so that it doesn't need the passion or commitment of the worker to make it work, right? It's kind of built so they kind of do the same thing. They don't need to ask questions. That's all been engineered out. And I think transparency kind of ended up being another one of those things that was engineered out of the equation because by and large in an industrial factory setting, there's just stuff people didn't need to know. So is it conspiracy or was it just collateral damage? I'm, I'm, I've got to believe it's just collateral damage. I think the idea at the time, and we'd probably have to do some research, but the, the, the efficiency um, experts were all about, let's just remove everything that's, that's not directly involved with doing this step in the job or not directly involved with you know, this particular business outcome. Well, I was thinking here too that some of the Japanese models of production, uh, you know, there's the, 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 his, the real big story about how American factories were 
this place where you could never hold up the production line, but the Japanese system was like, no, if one person on the production line saw something wrong, they could stop the whole production line. And that's why they had better cars. I mean, I'm not saying that's a transparency thing, but it almost makes you wonder whether or not the people understood more or the, 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 the Japanese system wanted them to understand more about the overall quality that they were trying to produce. I, 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 that's a really good point. And I think it's, in, in Japan, it's, it's, it's very much, I think, a notion of, of pride in your product. Um, that allowed them to be able to say, yeah, any of you could stop the line because it looks bad for all of us. Um, the culture is a little more into groupthink and a little less into um, individuality. That's changed, obviously. We're talking about you know Japan in the 70s and 80s. It's, it's been a long way since there. But um, again, this is also interesting that there's two sides to that. Um, it ended up being super helpful and you know very efficient for car production, but the groupthink thing also was very bad. Let's say in the case of Fukushima, where um, the idea was you can't say anything that's going to make the group look bad, so we can't admit to the fact that you know three of these reactors have melted down. We're just going to keep going along saying everything's fine, but you probably should evacuate. So it's interesting how. In one particular case, you know, it's very transparent. In another particular case, it's not. Yeah. So the question then is that, is there anything within our modern society and our modern businesses that gets a real benefit out of things being secretive about not having transparency with your employees, with your customers and so on. I mean, it, is, it, is it that we've just kind of let this industrial way of doing things transition into our modern economy and now we need to fix that? Well, yeah, it's a leftover. It, it's very much a leftover. Like, I mean, the 40-hour week is a contrived thing. Five days a week work is a contrived thing. Um, Daylight savings time, which is going to change in a couple of days, is a contrived thing. All of these are leftovers of our transition to an industrial economy. So it only makes sense that we're going to kind of rediscover things that we need. And a lot of our, these are habits that some of which are going to fall away as we move into our post-industrial like creator economy, where you know it's all about knowledge work and it's all about um, it's going to become more about prizing creativity rather than conformity. And in that case, right, transparency starts to become interesting as not only something you want to practice, but as a kind of a top level corporate value in, in companies, large and small. Yeah, and I guess we'll come back to this in future episodes, but like one of my favorite YouTube creators, uh, CGP Gray, has talked about creators who are slow sometimes are at a disadvantage to creators who are fast because if the creators who are slow are completely transparent about what they're working on, then the creators who are fast can swoop in and effectively copy what the creator who it maybe takes more time 
to actually produce their content. So I think that it's, it's going to be a real interesting thing about when we say transparency, does that mean transparency immediately? Or does it mean transparency in the records that we keep, but that eventually, you know, you might reveal that you were working on this thing, but not until you've had a chance to produce the content that you wanted to create. Right. Not to mention the effect on the magician industry, but um, <laughs> I think we're going to have to find a new equilibrium with that. It's going to be expected. I mean, we've done some research. We've talked about offline where there are companies that seem to think that they're going to get a reputation boost out of being transparent about their production or transparent about their services or their prices or why things change. And I think even during the pandemic, um, I believe you had brought a Forbes article to my attention that kind of implied that, hey, now it's time for everyone to try to start communicating in a little more transparent way. You, you might buy some points with your customers and employees. So the concept's floating around out there. And I think like everything else, the pandemic kind of accelerated it into view. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The, they have the Fox Act article you talk about, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but they, they were kind of interesting about how they use the idea of transparency. They feel that during the pandemic, companies had to change their strategies of communication. And one of those was to avoid technical jargon, to keep it short, to show and not tell. And I think that's a lot more about how you communicate rather than whether or not you're being transparent. Transparency to us, I think, means a lot more than just, hey, you're telling customers that there's going to be a new product coming out. Uh, I think that's... So if the COVID pandemic has caused us to start talking about transparency, that's great. But we do need to keep an eye on like, what do we be really mean by transparency? No, you're, you're absolutely right there because the article was mostly about what we would call messaging, right? Poor word choices and, and things like that. Plus there was a whole, again, having you know been at the helm of a company right in the middle of all of that, there was a whole morass of um, regulations and stuff that um, you needed to, be aware of in that particular case. And, and again, that, that brings up an interesting point, which is maybe we can talk about sometime in the future, which is um, sometimes the transparency is limited by law and that law can be, you know, it can be legislated, it can be an agency guideline, it can be local, it can be federal, it could be state. So I think that's something we can, we can tackle in another show, but, you know, illustrates how difficult I think it's going to be to um, get more people to do this on a consistent basis. Um, but at the same time, like anything worth doing, I think that difficulty kind of points to well, um, the need to do it. Circle back to when we started, when you started answering my question, why are executives bad at communication? You say that you've been transparent. You've in your past role been actually in like that, but what are the things that kept you from having to be fully transparent with every single person in your organization, other than you know the human resources side of things, perhaps? But what what's the thing that would keep you not 
saying something to your employees that might be relevant for them to know? I didn't have too many things that were um, needed to be hidden that way. Um, you know, I kind of let people know what things cost because it impacted their urgency with projects. You know, I, I, I did keep the human resources stuff rather quiet because one thing small businesses are always terrified of is getting sued. So that's a big driver, I think, of some people just saying, you know, we won't say anything at all and that'll be super safe, right? But that doesn't, that doesn't breed an atmosphere of trust. Um, luckily, there wasn't a lot that I needed to, in fact, I don't think there was much at all that I needed to um, hide away from people. Hmm. So if there were cases like that, um, a lot of the things I think took people off guard when I was willing to talk about them. Like I was willing to entertain, you know, completely changing the employee handbook. And everyone's like, well, that was, that was, um, that must've been the result of a ton of work. And actually I come to find out it was a result of kind of cribbing off of um, a retail company's um, book of operations from 20 years before. Right. So I was transparent about the fact that guys, this isn't gospel. We can change it. Hmm. And again, that, that was amazingly empowering. Um, it also opened a kind of worms that, you know, people who don't ordinarily do HR stuff are suddenly trying to write portions <laughs> of the employee manual, but you know, everyone's got to get out of their comfort zone once in a while. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, I think that was a really good discussion. Uh, so we'll wrap up with a couple of things in the news. And uh, I had a, I had one that I wanted to talk about real quick. So we spoke last week about uh, a, social, a certain social media network uh, having a new name. And uh, I was poking around at some of the videos that were produced right around the same time. And I came across one uh, from John Carmack, who, for those of you who don't know, is a very uh, well-known software engineer. Uh, he created Doom and a number of uh, different uh, video third person or first person video shooters. Uh, he built id and he was involved in Oculus and now he's over at Facebook. And there was a really good video of him giving a talk and he in part of it he comments on the metaverse. And to me the thing that's really stood out from a transparency standpoint because he's he seems to me to be someone who's relatively transparent about what he thinks is going on and what should happen. And he talked about how hard with the metaverse, how hard it is to get these virtual reality environments right, how to build things correctly, how to get the details right. And he said something really funny. He's, he called people who who want to build these new 3D VR worlds uh, that that is a honeypot for architecture astronauts. And by that, what he means is that people who don't really like talking about the details of how do you get performance running on some microchip really well, uh, love talking about the theoreticals, but they don't like to get their hands dirty to actually make things happen. So that video... Uh, from him, I thought was really interesting. And he even mentioned 
that this was right after a week after the Facebook outage that he wanted to disclose some of the things that the internal research project within the company had revealed on what broke as a result of the issues they had uh, with their with their DNS and uh, and routing setup. And but people told him that you know he couldn't because there was just too much secret stuff in there. So I think he's someone who probably wants to be more transparent about things. But uh, if you're interested in listening to another uh, video today, uh, I'd highly recommend that one. Very All cool. right. Now there is uh, another one touching on a little bit of like where else, Frank, I think you alluded to it that different organizations within governments from nation states to local groups have different types of regulations and laws. And I ran across an article in the Kansas City newspaper, uh, kansascity.com, where they talked about a bunch of resignations within the local government. And, but they said that they couldn't talk about why the people left. Now, they might have been involuntarily left, but they might have also left on their own volition. Uh, but the reason the, well, the, the newspaper was all like, hey, you should be more transparent. But the argument that came back was uh, what they cited is that a section of the state law, uh, with at least within Kansas, that allows governments to close records relating to the hiring, firing, disciplining, and promoting of particular employees by a public governmental body when personnel information about the employee is discussed or recorded. So effectively, yep, this person is no longer here. We won't make any comments, which I think can be a good thing, but it's an indication of like, well, why are six people within this government organization suddenly gone after the new administration came in or something like that? Right. I mean, obviously, sometimes you can read between the lines, but that was an interesting uh, issue on transparency. Yeah, and there's a flip side to that sometimes too, which is there are laws about if you're going to lay, if you're of a certain size and you're going to lay off a certain percentage of your employees, you need to inform the state. So there's a little transparency built into some of that. Um, but a lot of companies keep their stuff quiet. I, I can't speak to why the government did, except maybe it was just a privacy thing. But um, private companies like to keep things quiet and neutral. Um, I think you're probably aware that you know, most corporations have a policy when you, know, you leave, they basically will only confirm that you work there. Um, they're not going to go head telling all kinds of stories about you um, yeah. because they're afraid, again, as I mentioned earlier, of getting sued, right? Because it's always going to be subjective. So they'll just say, hey, I'm going to confirm dates and that's the end of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Each, each locality is going to have a different take on it. And it'll, it's also interesting to see how much of that's informed by um, the people who live there and the companies that do business there and how much influence they had on that legislation. So the last thing, and I picked this up as I was reading the news, because I've been noticing the word transparency a lot more as I've been reading articles, but I think it's starting to almost become a buzzword. Uh, it's entering the zeitgeist. And I saw it in a company that made an advertisement in which they talked about transparency and then pointed them to a blog about 
how their product helped with transparency. They talked about some examples of different companies that were transparent and then how their product could actually help companies be more transparent uh, within their own organizations. So it's starting to be an interesting area of discussion, uh, but that was, uh, that I, I thought that was interesting. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that was it. Uh, once again, you can reach us at Sandune Podcast on Twitter, as well as talk at sandune.org if you've got any ideas, some things you think we ought to talk about. So thanks again for your time, Frank. All right. Thanks, Hans. And to everyone out there, uh, happy Diwali. And uh, reach out. We want to hear from you. I'll see you next week. Good night.